From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, this is Crosswalk. This week, our Life Group Pastor Bill Hopkins continues the Jesus, the Real Action Hero series. Today's lesson is from Mark 10, verses 17 through 29. Now here's Pastor Bill. You guys were very gracious us to me last week and compliments and stuff. I listened, and read back, uh, listened back during the week and realized how much more gracious uh, you were than, than I realized, but uh, it's God's Word, and it got out, and we, uh, we had a good, good, good day. And uh, so I'm, let me, I'm just going to start with the, with the text this, this week. Uh, as he was setting out on a journey, this is uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. No one is good but one, God. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. Then looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But he was stunned at this demand. And he, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. But the disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So they were even more astonished, saying to one another, Then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. Peter began to tell him, look, we have left everything and followed you. I assure you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house, brothers or sisters, mother or father, children or field because of me and the, and the gospel, who will not receive 100 times more. Now at this time, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. We got to set the scene a little bit. Now, last week we talked about uh, the children that were coming to Jesus, and Jesus would not have the disciples dissuade uh, those children, and he used them as an example of what the kingdom, kingdom of God is like. That those who are entered into the kingdom of God have this childlikeness. Uh, they have, they, they really come with nothing, but yet they receive easily with with abandon they they accept uh the gift of eternal life and and being in the kingdom they they receive they submit easier than adults do there's a christ likeness us uh, kind of inherent in 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 them in that way in that kind of just simpleness and we all know that we can see uh satan getting our kids too sometimes right but here we have the the contrasting example and one of the things i just wanted to share just as an aside when you're reading the scripture, always be looking for those sort of comparisons and contrasts. Uh, so when I first read the, uh, about the children, I read on to see what kind of the context was. I immediately it jumped out at me. Uh, this man who was, as the, it's titled, the rich young ruler. Now, here in Mark, it only tells us that he was, was wealthy, that he had possessions. The other gospel accounts give us that he was young and that he, he was a ruler of some sort. Speculation is maybe he was a leader in a synagogue or it was like a town council kind of thing. But however it was, he is kind of almost 
in this life, almost the opposite of what the, ch- the children were. He has, he's in the prime of his life physically, right? He's, he's young. I remember what that was like when, when, once upon a time where my body kind of did what, it, what I wanted it to do and it didn't wake up with aches and pains, right? Uh, he had money, uh, apparently disposable. I don't know, it was, probably wasn't like Bill Gates kind of money, but he, he was well-to-do. He, he was well-off. He had expendable money and, and some power. It, it's something that most of us probably look at times uh, like, man, I wish. Man, I wish I had extra money like that. I would, you know, it would be so, so nice to have that. It'd be nice to have better health. It'd be nice to have more say in what I do. Man, I'm tired of, uh, of listening and taking orders from a boss. Man, if I just, I could be the boss, I would love to have that. All of it, we, probably a lot of us would, would love to be in that position at one point or another. And it's complete contrast because you, you see him come and notice the disciples don't dissuade him. I, I, wonder, I wonder why that is. Did he, was he just so quick to them? Like they tried to dissuade the, the children, the parents who were bringing the children, but there's no interference here. And he does run up. So I think it kind of demonstrates the urgency it's real easy to kind of pick on, pick on the guy because of what happens at the end. But there's a lot, some positive here. It's a good start for, the, for this young ruler. Because he comes and he kneels. They say he runs up to Jesus and he, he kneels. There's an urgency. He, he goes to the right person, right? He's come to Jesus to answer this all-important question. Do you, you ever try to answer those big questions sometimes? You worry about those, those things like, what happens when I die? What do you, this question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? We'll get to some of the errors in this, but he's, he's got a good question. It's an important question. He, all these other things he's got. For a lot of us, we get so worried about, you know, the, the problems of day-to-day life. Sometimes it keeps us from this question, maybe. But for him, man, it's like, I have this, but I know it is temporal. At one point, some point, I'm going to die, and I can't it with me. And so he's, he's concerned with this, this question. And he, and he starts off in the right way of respect for Jesus. He kneels. And then he says, good teacher. Very respectful. Now, it, and, it's, and it's a compliment that the Pharisees wouldn't even accept. Now, I, I suspect there was a certain amount of false piety in it. Because what they said was nobody, they shouldn't use the word good uh, as, as they used it for anyone but God. So they, they would, they, the Pharisees would not receive that sort of compliment. But it doesn't really sit here, but the, the, it seems what we know of the Pharisees and Jesus' interaction of them in the Gospels is a good, good idea that it may have been something that was more pious. So for him to say that to Jesus, he was recognizing Jesus as something more than just the teachers of his day. Did he get to the leap that he was God? I, I don't think so because because of Jesus', Jesus response to him. Uh, and this is where it starts to begin to unravel for the, this young man. It says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, God. Uh, you know the commandments. And he starts listing the commandments. We'll get that. Uh, Jesus, when he, when he brings up this question of why do you call me, me good, I used, I used to think, uh, and I, I heard from, from somebody before, I used to think that he was really kind of point, trying to point out the fact that you call me good. And in fact, it would be correct that, that I am because Jesus, he is God incarnate. He is good. It was correct application. But I think what Jesus is actually pointing out is, is, his, is this young man's superfi- superficial understanding of the word and of God's righteousness. And I think it comes out as we go forward. There's a, there's a 
certain bit of superficialness uh, in his thinking about uh, God's perfect standard. And, so, and, I, and I think that's where, what Jesus is really getting, getting at as he's pointing out. He, he doesn't quite grasp what that really means because he's not, if he's not referring to me as, as God, then he shouldn't, he shouldn't use this, right? So he goes and he lists the six of the, six of the commandments. It's interesting that he chooses the, 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 the last six. He doesn't start with the first four, dealing with our relationship with God, not having, not having an idol, no gods before me, right? He starts with, with these ones that deal with our relationship to man. It, it, uh, it's a breakdown that a lot of theolo- theologians see within the Ten Commandments. It's fairly easy to see that the first four deal with our relationship with God, and then the last six deal with our relationship with our fellow man. In fact, as life groups leader, I've, I've taught here, I, I believe the, the Bible breaks down that way. It is, it is written to tell us about our relationship uh, with God. And so the primary subject is how do we have a relationship with God? Tell us about that. And then it also tells us because it is connected, Jesus makes it very clear our, in his teaching and to love God and love your neighbor are that they that they are connected you cannot you can't uh not love your neighbor and still love god so maybe why he he starts with those here or and he when he goes goes through this jesus or the the young man says to him teacher i have kept all these for my youth then looking at him jesus loved him and said to him you lack one thing go and sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me See, Jesus knew this young man, he, said, he, he claimed, yeah, I've followed all of those. And maybe in terms of respect before man, he, he had. But he has no righteousness before God. God's standard in the way that we uh, follow these commands, uh, it's more than just an external that we follow the letter of these. It's in, Jesus taught that it was in the heart, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, that if you have hate, you've murdered. If you, if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery. You violate these things in your heart. And, but he doesn't really go after him on, on that issue. What he does is help to show him that he, he has missed it. By asking him to give up his, his wealth, uh, he, re, he reveals that his wealth, his possessions, are, are an, really an idol. He's not willing to give, to give up uh, that. So he, he shows he actually has uh, uh, violated uh, commandments. These particular ones, it, it's, it's pro- likely that even, bec- whether it be because of the way he has gained his wealth or in the way that he has held, the, held that wealth to himself, he has maybe also v- violated these. Jesus switches out, uh, do not covet, do not defraud. It was kind of common in the, in the time um, to do this. That there was a connection. It was seen as a connection between defrauding your neighbor and coveting. And it may be that Jesus is kind of pointing out: here's one. If you'll open up your heart to realize that you have violated. Now, what this this passage when Jesus when we go to the next section, Jesus starts talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, the the young man he uses he talks about eternal life his desire to have eternal life. He's thinking about the afterlife. He wants, he wants this future ticket. So in Jesus, when he talks to the disciples, he says, he, he refers to the kingdom of God. They're related, they're connected, 
But the kingdom of God starts now in this world. It's not just, it's not just heaven. It's, it's those who are in heaven, but it's also those who have already come under the, the submission of God. Those who are under the reign and rule of God. We talked about that, that last week. So what the ruler is kind of asking for is like, can I do something? He want, and again, that's important. He asks, what can I do? He, I think he's looking for something to kind of kick it over the top. Uh, like, I've done, a, I've done all these good things uh, in following the commandments. I've been religious my whole life. And it seems because, uh, and this is important to the context, in Jew, Jewish think, thinking of the, the time, if you were well off, it probably meant God, God had blessed you and was approving of, of your life. Because they, they had kind of twisted the promises of the Old Testament to Israel that if the nation followed after God, he, he would bless the nation. And they had taken it and applied it down to the individual so that if you were, if you were, if you were uh, maimed or you were born with a defect or if you didn't have money, uh, you were poor. If you were rich, you, were, you had been blessed by God. And so you get questions like the disciples, I was asking another place about, the blind man, who sinned, him or his, his parents? That was con- that's the context uh, of the, the, this teaching. Like this young man's probably thinking, man, I, I'm, I'm, I seem like I'm pretty good with God, but somehow he knew there was something, something he was missing because he asked for, for that. And Jesus, Jesus gives it to him, and it's a radical solution. And, um, in the, in the, in the context, the, this whole passage, uh, I, I believe, is just about trust, trusting God for, for the kingdom of God. And going back, we, we talked about the kids, how they, they re- receive, receive with abandon. That we need to be like that in the way that we just accept the gift uh, that Christ has, has offered and willingness to put ourselves in his hands, right? To, to accept that kind of helplessness, like, I, I need your help. I need you to look after me. That oftentimes we've, we buck, and the, the better off we are, the harder that is. And Jesus gives this man a solution. He recognizes that uh, the, the wealth that he has is holding this man back. It's a hindrance uh, to, to his achievement, what he wants. And he get, so he gives him the solution, which is to, to cut it off. It, going back to in Mark chapter 9, see some passages where Jesus t- talks about this. I think it relates to uh, his decision. And if your hand causes your downfall, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed. Then you have two hands and go to, go to hell, the unquenchable fire. And again, verse 45, if your foot causes you to downfall, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. 47, he repeats, and if your eye causes your downfall, gouge it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. <clears throat> um, now, we teach that this, Jesus is trying to teach a spiritual principle here, right? Because otherwise you, we would be a rough looking bunch, right? Uh, one, one time I had an interesting discussion in business business meeting where somebody was quoting a passage uh, from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says similar things uh, and makes it a quite, he, he, he misapplied it, uh, what he was saying, into something quite literal. And I pointed out that, like, the passage right before the one he was referring to said to gouge out your eye. And I was like, we, we don't interpret that passage that way or else we'd all be missing a lot of eyes, right? I, it is a spiritual principle. The thing that gets in your way, remove it. And that's what I believe Jesus is asking uh, him to do. It's better 
that you give up all your wealth than to be cast, cast into hell with unquenchable fire. Um, this, this reminded when I was thinking about this, um, it, it reminded, reminded me of, of issue we had with, with our dog. So, so if you guys know us, us, or you follow me on Facebook, you know that my family, hey, this past year, we, we got a dog. Uh, uh, this is the first time we'd had one as a family. Uh, my wife and I, when we were kids, we had, we had dogs part of the family. And never had one that had uh, some of the difficulties that with, with this dog. This dog is very possessive. He has an issue with possessions. He'd get, get along great with this rich young ruler. Would. Because within, a, within, a, within the first week, and look, Kasha is really loving. And everybody's like, oh, she's so sweet. And she'd just jump up in your arms and she'd just shake herself. And, she, you know, she's scruffy looking and, and, and but fluffy at the same time. And it's just, so she's great. But give her something of her own and, a, and it can flip a switch. We saw it first when we had her at my sister's house and uh, playing, she's playing great with, with their dog, who's a little bit older. And all, but then there was, a, there was a toy there, a dog toy. And she had played with it a little bit, and then she left. And he came over and sniffed it, and she laid into him. She just attacked him. I'm right there, and I was like, ooh, didn't expect that. So that's interesting. So when I got home, I tested it myself. Oh, yeah, took off after my hand. And several things, like, I mean, her, you know, around her food dish, she kind of belly up in it, you uh, put your hand near there, or she, she'd go af- after your hand. You try to move her off, she get up on the bed, you try to move her off, you grab hold of her collar to try to move her off. Uh, she, uh, she, she uh, get a little ugly about that too. <laughs> wow, I, I am not going there. You're on your own, Steve. His email is pastoralcare at crosslook. I probably shouldn't say that right now, but you e- send the emails to him. Anyways, no, she... She just has a possessiveness. And some folks, when we talk to oh, people, like, eh, puppies are just like them. Like, and I'm sorry, I'm like, no, no, no. Because I'm imagining, like, some of the dogs I've seen on uh, Dog Whisper or something, like, they're just crazy. And I'm like, she's only 14 months old. If she's like this, what, if we let it go, what's going to happen? So we, we had to do, I, I did some research, and we did, we had some solutions. She was no longer getting the bowl to herself. The food bowl, she didn't get the bowl. We put it in our lap, and we hand fed her. Kept her off the bed. In other words, we took the possessions away. The, the toys, they didn't stay out. The, we, we would get them out and give them to her, and then uh, back, most, at first it was just me that would work on that because, like I say, she did. She, she lit on my hand uh, one time pretty, pretty hard. didn't break the skin, but uh, it, was, it was problematic. But we all worked with this, and Ruthie did a great job of, for, for almost a month, every time it was feed time, she put the bowl in her lap. By removing, by removing it, and putting it under our possession changed her outlook, right? She, she had no problem with taking the food out, out of hand. And she recognized it as, hey, that's ours. We're giving you some. You put the bowl down, though, as before, and she up over top of it like this. And she, there's still, we still continue to work on it, but there's no more of the, the aggression now. Oh, she's great about it. I can go over food. Sometimes we'll offer, it's a, it's a treat reward, or just going, be going over and offering something better into the, into the bowl special treat or something like that to help her get over that mindset of being possessive over it and accepting and trusting that, hey, whatever, you know, we're going to give back or you're going to get something better. Like, and, you know, I don't mean to make us out like pets, but, it, you know, it's kind of, we have to trust God. He's going to give us something better. We trust uh, to give, give, up, give up what we can't keep, right? Because all these things are temporal. Like, 
I, I think a lot of times I'm like this when you read he, that Jesus said, man, give up everything. Just come follow me. I'm like, oh, that's hard. That's hard, right? But when you, when you look at it from an eternal perspective, it's, not, it's, just, it's just stuff, right? It's just stuff. And it's going to be gone in, a, in, a, in an eternal perspective in a very short period of time, too. And for what God is going to give. And he's offering this man the opportunity to walk with Jesus, to follow him, to be one of the, part, one of the disciples. So he's offering him some, something greater, and, and he's offering him the way. He is not offering a, him a work which, you know, might at first come out because he says, well, do this, and, and, then, and then you'll have it. But he said, give it up. You'll have treasures in heaven. Follow, follow me. Faith is always expressed in works anyways, right? So for him to do it, he has to have the faith that this man uh, has, the, has the authority to, to do so. He also is being called to follow him, and where Jesus tells his disciples repeatedly, I'll, sh- I'll show you the way. I am the way. So he's offering him himself, follow, follow me. Right, so we need to trust Jesus with what we can't keep anyways. Right? I'm going to read back verse 22, uh, leading into the next section. But he was stunned at this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. But the disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So they were even more astonished, saying to one another, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. We need to trust God with what we can't do for ourselves. You know, one of the difficulties, anytime when we have, if we have wealth or we have talent, or whatever it is we have, it makes it more difficult just to, to trust God trust God with it, and, and let, realize that we can't do everything for ourselves. And I, I mean, like, I, I said this before, like, I had real, I always had a real independent streak uh, as a kid. You know, I was, I was, I wasn't, like, I wasn't a prodigal. I was just quick to do things like tie my, sh- my shoes while other kids in preschool were, it, it was more, it was just a pride thing of, like, I want to do that myself. I want to do, you know, I cut my own meat, which is probably just because I, didn't have patience to wait for mom to, to cut it, right? I, and other kids are like waiting, and I'm like, you know, I, I had that independent streak always. And I was kind of taught, you know, to a certain degree, like, I felt like uh, that, that was very, very encouraged to be able to do for yourself, take care of yourself. Uh, even to the point where, like, when I was much younger, I thought, you know, when you raise your kids, like, the main goal was to, uh, Teach them to be independent, to be able to take care of themselves, right? Because you don't want to take care of them the rest of your life. I've, and independence was a good thing. But as, you know, I got married and as I kept in the Word, and thankfully before I um, a child, I realized, no, the job of parenting is to transfer depend, dependence on you to dependence on God, right? You want your children to shift from being dependent on you to be living their lives dependent on God. And here... Now, Jesus' uh, proclamation that it is hard, or in fact, his illustration suggests is the impossibility of the, of the rich man to, to enter the, into the kingdom of God. Uh, again, in the context, that's why twice it refers to the disciples being stunned. Because there was this, just, it was, it was cultural. Like, man, guy, guy's doing well. God must have blessed him. So how can it be difficult? 
And if it's difficult for him, where am I at? I think that's where the question comes from. Then, then who can be saved? Like if it's that hard, then who can be saved? And Jesus, uh, realizing their, their question that seems to be amongst themselves, uh, with man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. Uh, one other thing. The, uh, I think based on the way Jesus answers, answers the question, and the disciples are kind of asking it more general, I think he shifts from the specific of it is the difficulty of, of the rich man on entering into the kingdom to, to more general, that for all of us, without, without God's hand in it, we'll not be saved. But we need, we need the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts. Now, I don't believe that, I still believe that God ha, has given us a, a, a freedom and responsibility to, to repent uh, and given that choice. But it is motivated by the Holy Spirit, and that in that way, it is, it is the work of God that he accomplishes the work. He, Jesus has been pointing to the disciples. He's already twice uh, explained to them that he was going to the cross. And he's going to, in, in the next section, and again, to them, the cross, where he will lay down his, his life for them and us, right? He, he's going to accomplish the work as something that he does. Uh, for, for all of us, it's this difficulty of, well, can I, can I, let, can I let go? Come to God and let go in this submission, because Jesus asks him, says, follow me. We oftentimes, we, as a church, our DNA is that we are a church devoted to, uh, to developing fully devoted followers. And sometimes I've wanted to ask Clay about this. I think I know, know why, like, that we, ha- that we have that fully devoted part. Like, fully devoted followers of, of Jesus, because is that necessary? Followers of Jesus, can you be a, a half-devoted follower? But I know why it is, it's because that's, what the churches has been experiencing for so long. So often we, we settle for a half-hearted follow. And we, maybe we've, we've taught it wrong sometimes but we, it, and, and made it just about this, this moment where, where we, we ask Jesus into our heart but without submission, without saying, your life, my, my life is yours, Jesus. And that's what Jesus has asked the, the rich young ruler to do. Uh, the, the difficulty uh, with with wealth, I think applies a lot to us too because we it provides uh, security uh, and uh, pleasure that we actually in America most of us probably experience about as well as uh, what they refer to as the rich in in, in Israel in that day. It's just we 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 live in a nation that's very very blessed. Uh, I wanted to share a, a quote from C.S. Lewis about why sometimes God does, doesn't give us all of the security and all of the, the, the wealth that we might like. It says, The security we crave would teach us to rest our hearts in this world and pose an obstacle to, to return to God. A few minutes of happy love, a landscape, a symphony, a merry meeting with our friends, a, a bath, or a football match. Now, he's actually probably talking about soccer, but have no such tendency. Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. When we get too focused on those good things that God gives us, rather than seeing them as, hey, man, this is really enjoyable, this time with my family, and it, man, when we get to heaven, it's going to be all the more like that, right? We get focused on, man, I love that. We get our, our focus and our attention on the temporal here, 
We lo- if we love this world too much, we don't think about, about the future world. And that's what, that's what God wants us to do, is to think more about the eternal rather than this temporal, not get caught up with this stuff. So some of us, maybe, it may not be as radical a solution. Jesus did not ask every single person uh, to give all they had, sell it. There, he, there, there was uh, examples of, of wealthy people who were part of following, following Jesus, as ministering to Jesus. He, he, it, this is not a, a lesson about uh, the, just the evils of having riches. It is the evil of loving, it, loving them too much. Anything that we put ahead of God. Uh, now, the disciples have another question that comes up. Peter as often as the case of the spokesperson, uh, starting in verse 28, Peter began to tell them, look, we have left everything and followed you. Are y'all like me? Like if you've been following Mark and, or you've read some of the other gospel accounts before, like every time you read something that kind of reads like that from the disciples, particularly Peter, you like want to duck for cover. Like he's had a habit of kind of putting his foot in his, foot in his mouth. And when you read it's like he's kind of saying, well, haven't we done? Haven't we done that? Is there? You know, you kind of wonder, man, is Peter expressing some sort of sort of pride here, or is he asking Jesus to say, "Hey, I, you know, hey, we've done this, so what do we get?" And so, you know, I, I kind of expected that almost as I just kind of in the in the passage as it goes, kind of expected that. But Jesus really is very, here, very encouraging to. To them, his response. He says, "I assure you, there there is no one who has left house, brothers or sisters, mother or father, children or fields, because of me and the gospel, who will not receive one hundred times more now at this time, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields, with persecutions, and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. We need to trust trust Jesus with reward that we can't even imagine. I think that's what he said. Like." He, spe- he, spe- he specifies some things. I don't, I'm not sure how, you know, how, exactly how literal we should take it. I, I think we should be careful about that. But, because look, I've, had, I've sat with somebody who, because of being uh, part of a t- teaching uh, that we refer to health, wealth, and prosperity a teaching, who looked at me and said, okay, now Jesus says, says this, where's mine? He talks about houses and fields and stuff like that. Where's mine? And I think at the end, Jesus kind of gives a warning to be careful of that, 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 we, that we not look at it like that. We should avoid trying to look for a contract with, with Jesus like the, the, the ruler did. You know, he came and said, what, can I, what must I do to inherit it? Kind of almost acts like a, like a deal. You're trying to barter with God. And rather than, than looking at it like, hey, I've followed you. What are you going to, when you give me? You say, Man, I know the reward's going to be great. And kind of leave, leave it up. But Jesus does specify now here, here's the other, here's a couple of couple of issues. Oh, just if you if you run across that kind of teaching, that when you look at this, that you can uh, point to. First up, I think the conti- there's a continuum here between the the temporal and the eternal. Jesus does make it clear that some of the re- the reward, some of this 100 times, will be now at this time. Then he says, and in eternity to come. So I think there's a continuum, and he I don't. I don't think the best way I can understand stand this is that he's not putting a time spent like you're going to get so much of this here in this life, and then in the next life you'll get some. 
It's just, it's going to come at some point. He may, he may give some, and he may give some more in this life and others more in the next. Secondly, like a few things that the name it and claim it crowd, like I love my mother. I'm going to say that. I love my mom. Um, I usually talk to her about once a week, have a good time. Um, to, but it says, you know, when it says a hundred times, do we, we want to connect that a hundred, hundred times of mothers? I don't, if you take, if you, if you make this literal, it becomes kind of odd. Like, how do you have a hundred mothers? I think the answer is that he's talking about placing you in the family of God and the community of the church, the larger, in, in the church worldwide, a body of believers, that we do have a, a multitude of a family of mothers and brothers and sisters. And many of those relationships, because they're they're connected uh, by our trust in Christ, our relationship with Him can be closer, really. And they have the, the, the advantage of being and taking into eternity. And the last thing, I've, ne- I've never heard anyone uh, do name it and claim it on persecutions. And he, inclu- he just includes that in, in the list. And fields with persecutions. That's part of the package too. The followers of Christ will experience persecutions. It's, it's part of it. We follow Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross. He was hated. We'll be hated at times because of because of him. If we we stand and speak for him, so we just we need, we need to trust Jesus as for those things, uh, just to reward us beyond imagine imagination. Uh, but the many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is kind of a repeat of something he said said earlier when the disciples were. Arguing about who would be the greatest. He doesn't want them worried of thinking about that. Think about who is going to be the, most, the greatest ser- servant. Who's going to serve. That's what he wants them thinking about. And when we get to heaven, probably there'll be some people who uh, were up on, up on a stage and got lots of people saying, hey, great job, who maybe, maybe last. While the person who was working doing setup or, or pouring, pouring the juice into the cups, you know, just being a servant will be lifted up. I, uh, I had a great example of this when I, uh, another church where I was helping our, our children's pastor put on do the children's church, and he uh, uh, we had this you know setup that we had to do every week, and uh, uh, one one man who uh, Kenneth Page who had said I'll come and set that all up for you every week I'll come set that up, uh, and he was very quiet and never heard from him. It was always set up when we got there, didn't have to think about it. Well, one Sunday, a children's pastor was gone, so I, so I was taking care of that, and I was teaching Sunday school all class, and so I was doing that, and Kenneth was going to be gone, so I had to do the setup. I came, did setup, you know, 7.30 in the morning, set up everything, then I uh, led the children's uh, worship, and then uh, went to church, and then went to Sunday school, and I realized by the time, I was, I was tired, and uh, I probably didn't do as, as good a job, I don't, I don't feel in that Sunday school class because, I, because of kind of the, the energy drain. And it, it made me appreciate, God, I think God gave them to appreciate that kind of, kind of service. If God, you know, calls you, calls, calls you to that kind of service, then I, I think God, God, will, God will recognize it. I, I believe that, you know, all of those things will, will be brought out to bear when, uh, when we get eternity, even though sometimes it gets forgotten. But I am thankful for all the people that worked and set up. We had a great crew last, last uh, week in helping us to, to tear down. So, just to fit, we to enter the kingdom, we we need to we need to trust Jesus, trust trust Him um, with the things that we can't keep, which only makes sense, right? If we're going to give up stuff that's temporal in order to gain eternity, it only makes sense. Uh, 
trust him with think what we cannot do. We we can't we can't save ourselves. We can only get, allow him to. Oh, oftentimes we we fight against it. We refuse to to re- refuse his call and just look 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 forward to the to the reward, but focus on on our our, our service and and uh, contributing to the kingdom. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather every week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross Culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens and the most energetic, safe, and fun kids program around. Find out more at crossculturelife.org. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.